We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly interview show where top chess players, authors, content creators, and accomplished amateurs discuss their careers and share stories and chess improvement tips. Perpetual Chess is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'd like to give special thanks to our presenting chess education sponsor, Chessable.com. For more information about the show, you can go to PerpetualChessPod.com. But without further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a FIDE Candidates 2022 bonus edition of Perpetual Chess. We are recording this here after round 12, and Grandmaster Jan Napomnici is in a commanding position. At the conclusion of round 12, he leads by a clear two points. He has eight and a half out of 12. Eight and a half is often enough to win it uh, in historically, and behind him with six and a half points are Hikaru Nakamura and Ding Loren. With six points, half a point behind them are Timur Rajabov and Fabiano Caruana. And then with five points, we have Richard Rapport and Jan Shostov Duda. And then with four and a half points in last place, as everyone predicted, we have Ali Reza Faruja, the young phenom with a baptism by fire. Uh, in terms of the probabilities of what's likely to happen, I probably don't need to tell you guys, Nepo's probably going to win. Uh, when, he, when we come back for round 13 on Sunday, he will have White against Richard Rapport. Uh, that game, he will likely go for a draw. So uh, our friend friend of the pod, Ty Prue Simmons, chess by the numbers model, has Jan at 99.9% to win the tournament. Um, it might even be higher in reality because I don't see why Rapport would fight for a win um, when Nepo goes for a draw and all he needs is a draw to clinch. Um, now, of more interest is the battle for second place. And the battle for second place, of course, could take added import this year because if Magnus does not play, the second place finisher may play Nepo. Uh, for the World Championship. And of course, we will be discussing all of these things with my guest co-host, who I'll be introducing momentarily. But in Ty's model, the second base, second place probabilities have Hikaru Nakamura at 48.2%, Ding Loren at 38.7%, Timur Rajabov at 8.4%, and Fabiano Caruana at 4.6%. Um, 
And the others basically aren't going to finish in the top two due to Rapport and Ferruja. So that's the lay of the land. We've got a lot of topics to discuss, but let's introduce our guest co-host. He is, of course, a familiar voice to myself as a fan of his chessable uh, courses and friend of the pod, been on several times. He's an award-winning chessable author, regular author, opening theoretician. He'll be coming out with the Lifetime Repertoire Triangle Slav, with, uh, co-authored with Grandmaster Erwin Lemie. That should be out next week. So let's welcome, I am Christoph Selecki, back to the pod. And by the way, we're both doing this from vacation. So Christoph, thank you for breaking up your vacation to uh, share your wisdom about this uh, fascinating, if anticlimactic, tournament. Yeah, Ben, thanks for introducing me and having me on the show. Very happy to to join in and discuss uh, yeah, probably the most important tournament of the year. Yeah, most important historical legacy and one, Christoph, that you and I both got wrong. I thought Ding Loren was the most likely to win this tournament. Um, you poo-pooed that notion correctly, but you thought Jan Nepomnici would likely fade down the stretch. Of course, there has been that narrative in the past. I understand where you were coming from, but Christoph, so I'll talk about what I think I got wrong, but what do you think you got wrong about this tournament as we think back? Yeah, I was thinking before the tournament, I was um, thinking that um, Fabiano Caruana would be the favorite in, in my mind. Of course, it is obviously tough to predict, but I was thinking he's um, more likely to be um, the winner compared to, to Ding because I think the circumstances for Ding were not that great, like the travel from China. It's, it's very difficult. He had problems getting visa uh, for the qualification process. He was very late in Madrid, like jet lagging and so on. It didn't feel right to me. And he had a bad start. I mean, he got into the groove later and uh, had a very bad game today, but he had a very good stretch in the three rounds before. So Ding kind of got into it. And I wasn't totally wrong about Fabiano. He, he started very well, but then he did the Nepo, so to say, <laughs> and mm -hmm. completely, um, uh, completely crumbled in the last uh, couple of rounds. Um, yeah, I, I'm also surprised that Nepo is kind of so dominant in this tournament. However, if you look at the games, and I, I, I looked at them uh, during the day. I mean, I looked at uh, the games when they were played during the rounds, but I, I did kind of a recap today for me. And it's really kind of staggering um, how many opportunities were, were given to him more or less on a silver plate. This is not something to... Um, this is not diminishing, if that's the right word, uh, his um, his play. Or I don't want to say he didn't didn't play well. He played very well, in fact, uh, in conversion of all those games. But um, some of the games were really, um, yeah, very one-sided in a way that the opponents played uh, one or two pretty pretty awful moves, and then he exploited them perfectly, of course. But uh, it, like in, in tournaments where he did um, falter after some rounds, um, he, he, he sometimes got into situations where he was a little bit too, what is the right word there? Yeah? A little bit careless maybe yeah, in his conversion and that didn't happen at all. He was very, very, um, very, very straightforward in converting the advantages and, and didn't make many mistakes at all. Uh, however, I see one game as very important and that is the game that he managed to to draw at the end against Fabiano because um, at one point, um, like by computer standards, he was lost, really completely lost. He would have lost it against an engine, but well, man, these human beings, right? They're not computers. And um, Fabiano didn't find the, the right move there. It's this, this crucial moment when he took with the bishop on f5 and instead could have played bishop f1 a move that was um, however pointed out in the in the live broadcast yeah i think by by judith polga and jan gustafsson even without the help of a computer yeah, they figured out that this move is correct so it's not total rocket science or total engine chess that nobody can find and i think this was a really pivotal moment in the tournament if caruana wins this game it's a totally different story in a way. I mean, we don't know what, obviously, what would have happened, but I think this is an absolute key game of the tournament. Yeah, it's funny. I had highlighted that exact same point. That game uh, happened at the conclusion of round two, 
And yeah, when Magnus went on the Chess 24 broadcast, he was a bit critical of Fabiano's decision um, to take a draw there. Even in the final position, the engine preferred black. Um, and of course, it's easier to say with hindsight at the time, Fabiano's thinking, OK, I'm black against another of the strongest competitors. I'll be tied for clear first. But as it happened, uh, Nepo's just been relentless. Um, Sam Shanklin writing for Chess.com yesterday called it an absurdly dominant and powerful performance by Nepo. So I see a lot of people online. And as I discussed with Grandmaster Jonathan Tisdall, you do get the sense that uh, Nepo's opponents are kind of not putting their best feet forward, you could say. Um, they're they're kind of uh, leading with their face, as uh, Grandmaster Tis- Tisdall memorably yeah. said. But um, but. As, as you said, Christoph, you've got to take the opportunities given. So I think it's it's really important to give Nepo full credit and not denigrate uh, his performance in any way. It's been a dominant performance. He's up to number three in the world of the live rankings, or at least was before his draw today. Um, and he's, he's showing that his previous, despite the bizarre circumstances of his last candidate's performance, it, w- it was not a fluke. And I feel like that's what I got wrong a little bit. I... Uh, I attributed it too much to the circumstances of the match being uh, divided up. And I maybe also what happened with Nepo in the world championship where once he lost, maybe his nerves got the better of him. I, I wasn't sure how much carryover that would be. There would be, even though he's played well in subsequent tournaments. Um, and I would say I got wrong the idea that he he's just, you know, I maybe underestimated the level of his preparation and confidence against uh everyone that is not magnus yeah um, well one thing though that that um you have to see is that usually if you look at the history of the candidate um, candidate tournament it's very very rare that a player wins it without losing a game that's really rare over the 14 games if you look at this particular format they almost always had one loss even two sometimes yeah, when magnus won it for example he lost two games even but won enough to compensate for that and nepo didn't lose a game and you don't know what would have happened if he would have lost one yeah and kind of had this uh yeah this break i mean it's, it's well known that um if he's running hot, he can play extremely well and everything goes his way. But then if this kind of moment of this bad moment arrives and, and he loses one, then everything can crumble, which which never happened. <laughs> it simply never happened. In those critical moments, it kind of went well for him. But one thing that really should be said, like if you look at the sheer numbers, right, he's got eight, po- eight and a half points, which is usually, as you said, the winning score. Right, and yeah. there's still two games to go. So it's uh, plus five is fantastic. Yeah, it's a really, really excellent um, performance, and um, we should be, as you already said, yeah, it's uh, it's really, really something to be proud of. Yeah, from from this point of view, very, very uh, good tournament. Yeah, and we've got lots more to talk about with regard to this tournament. Um, of course, uh, there's still two rounds to go, so there's still lots to be determined. So here are the topics Christoph and I are going to hit. And then, of course, I'll be back for more candidates coverage. I believe it's on July 12th with Grandmaster David Howell. We'll do one last wrap up when it's all over. And maybe by then we'll even have some news about what's happening with the World Championship cycle. But here's the five topics I want to hit with Christoph. Number one, the battle for second place, of course, taking out at import this year. Number two, the controversy surrounding uh, Ali Reza and his tilted bullet match with Danya and his general form in the tournament. Number three, uh, as we record this, Naka had a quick draw today that basically clinched it for Nepo and um, eliminated Naka from winning it. And there's been a bit of discussion about that decision. So Christoph and I will talk about that. Number four, the quality of play. Uh, there was a uh, noteworthy quote from former world champion Vladimir Kramnik fairly early in the tournament, um, judging the quality of the play of these participants harshly. Um, and number five, could just talk a little bit about Magnus's plans and whether he could possibly entice by a change of world championship format. So we're going to try to fit this all in in an hour or less. Lots to discuss. And first, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by aimchess.com. My latest discovery on aimchess.com is in addition to its algorithm generating statistics and telling you trends from your opening games, there's a tab at the top where you can go to game history and review individual games and it tags recurring issues. So for example, it keeps telling me I had good openings, but it also tells me when I was behind on the clock, when I failed to convert an advantage. So you can then within the aim chess platform, review the game and look for 
uh, leaks that you need to plug, things to correct. So one of the many ways you can use aimchess.com to improve your game. So you can check it out for free. And if you choose to subscribe, use the code perpetual30 to save 30%. Or you can also use the link on aimchess.com that is provided in the show description. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. And so we got a... Well, we led with Nepo, but following Nepo, Christoph, I think the most important thing is the actual standings. Of course, we have a tense battle for second place. Hikaru Nakamura uh, and Ding Loren with six and a half points again. And Timur Rajabov, surprisingly to me, and Fabiano with six. Um, So who would you most like to see if we were going to assume that Magnus is going to decline the match and there will in fact be a world championship or faux world championship uh between nepo and one of these people who would you most like to see him play christoph who's not saying hikaru there, there <laughs> exactly must be. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be of, hikaru that's kind of uh kind of a bit of a non-question even though certainly um People very deservedly could be fans of of Ding or or the other players for sure. But I think in terms of um, yeah spectacle, it's kind of uh, clear that Ikaro would be the the one to hope for. Um, there also would be some matches if we just speculate. It's all speculation, of course, because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, Magnus might just play Nepo, and it's uh, it's just like every like um, every single time. It's nothing special, and it doesn't happen. But if we have first and second place playing there could be some matches which would be pretty difficult i think to even see how they would take place under which circumstances they should take place just imagine like a match between rajabov and and nepom nepom what kind of a match is that yeah where will they play yeah. it in in baku or or what is that that's very difficult and it's i think very difficult to market uh like in the West, because, um, well, it's a very unattractive match. I mean, let's be honest there. Um, yeah. For all kinds of reasons. So um, I, I do hope that Nakamura um, finishes second, um, but um, I think he has got the slightly better tie break, right? So his chances are a little bit better than, uh, than Dings, but they have a game in the final round, which is, of course, very, very uh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, that that could be potentially huge um ding with the white pieces against nakamura one thing we should mention fide to their credit as i mentioned in the uh candidates preview they did put in a contingency for a playoff um if there was a tie for first but you know in their infinite wisdom it was hard to foresee every scenario where now we might we feel like we need a playoff for second and in fact Ding Liren in his post-game interview um, with um, Dina Belankaya yesterday said maybe they can organize an action playoff or something if there's a tie for second. So he's hoping that that might change. I mean, he might have been aware that Hikaru has slightly better tie breaks, but it's probably too late to change it now. It's probably wishful thinking. Um, but he'll have white against Hikaru. So if nothing unexpected happens in the 13th round, in the 13th round, none of the four people who are in main contention for second place play each other. But as you said, Christoph, in the 14th round, they play each other. And and again, and I agree with you. Um, to me, none of these matches would feel like a world championship, but I do consider um, Nakamura and Nepo to be a very compelling matchup in its own right. So that could at least be entertaining. And Nepomnichi and Caruana, I would also find interesting. I'm a big Ding fan, but under the circumstances of the, I don't know, I've just been a little disappointed with his performance here. So I wouldn't be as excited for that match. And as you say, Rajabov, Nepo, um, it it wouldn't be my first choice. And I don't think uh, it would be a lot of fans first choice with all due respect to these, uh, these fantastic players, Rajabov with a quite surprising victory today with the, uh, with the black pieces, but yeah, it'll be a a tense battle for second place and we'll just have to see what happens and then see how the stories unfold. Um, onto the, the second, uh, 
controversy. I guess you could definitely call this one a controversy. Um, Ali Reza Faruja. So before we get to the famed blitz, uh, bullet match with Grandmaster Naroditsky, what do you think has gone wrong for him, uh, Christoph? Yeah, that, that's really a, a bit of a mystery, right? Because it wasn't um, to be expected that he's doing so poorly. I mean, I didn't have him as one of the top favorites because I felt that um, the lack of experience in this particular, the super high level events. I mean, you, you have to be very honest there. How many of those super high levels event has he actually played? I think he has played like two Tata Steel tournaments. He didn't play, um, is it even two? I think he played, he played in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, so he played two, but he didn't play this year because of some, they didn't get it, uh, couldn't get it going with the organizers. I didn't skip that one. And he played and won very strong the open event, this Grand Swiss, to qualify. But he didn't win any of those super strong tournaments. And I think it's very helpful to have this experience. The tournament is very long, those 14 rounds. And um, experience counts for a lot, I think, in this uh, circumstance. Also, um, I feel some of his decisions uh just look like he's rusty. Eh? I mean, he hasn't played much, and this seems to be um, really, um, really a factor. And some decisions are really weird. If you look at the games, I mean, if you did, you um, look at the game um, against Hikaru a little bit more closely. Uh, yeah. Which which one was that? The, that was uh, the Sicilian, where he played a very early GTX F6, and he he took a huge strategic risk with Black against Hikaru. Um, yeah, but, but, but that was a kind of a decision that was it prob it's probably objectively not good in the first place. But um, if you play in that risky fashion and, and he's not um, alien to that. Yeah, he's a very sharp and, and very enterprising player. You, you simply cannot afford any any misstep. And if you're not in, in really top shape, those missteps cost like tons of games. And, and you see that happen all the time he's taking very risky decisions or in bad decisions if you are very very critical and um, then followed up he cannot follow it up with, with precise calculation and um, this is then yeah leading to this disaster right <laughs> that it yeah. now is for him for sure i mean maybe he's 18 years old right 19 19 yeah 19, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean that game with the Hikaru in round ten, maybe the one that that led to the circumstances that really put him on tilt. Air quotes, um, mm -hmm. you know, because as as a lot of listeners probably heard, um, he was up till six a.m. Um, the night after that, and that was the night where he was, you know, it never looked good for him in the, after the first few rounds. But that's when it's a hundred percent okay. You're not winning this tournament, and that's when he played. He stayed up till six a.m. playing a two hundred fifty game bullet match with uh grandmaster naroditsky and then yesterday um um round against uh Nepomnichi, he just i mean he just played a bad game i mean this mm. he for for listeners who saw the game he played this this g4 idea opening the king side just uh total um total um suicidal idea against nepo and nepo just like uh brushed it off uh effortlessly there in round 11. So again, Nepo's taking his chances, but yeah, I mean, it seems like Ali Reza is learning a lot of, a uh, lot of tough lessons this tournament. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and Danya Naroditsky for when I tuned into the chess.com broadcast, uh, I was quite eloquent saying like, this will be a building block for Ali Reza. He, he will rise again, but uh, it seems like sometimes you just have to, you know, it's been pointed out prior to this tournament, someone like uh, Grandmaster Robert Hess, who I interviewed, often you kind of have to, you know, you have to get beaten before you you learn how these things work. And uh, that that hopefully and likely is the the position mm -hmm. that Ali Reza finds him in now. Now, Christoph, yeah. a lot of people I'm seeing being very judgmental of the mere fact that he stayed up late playing Bullet uh, before such an important tournament. Where do you come down on that? Yeah, uh, discussion. Uh, before I uh, go there, just a very quick uh, fun fact. It's like, uh, of course, I'm, I'm in Europe. Yeah, I'm on vacation still in Europe, in Slovenia, and we have the same time zone as um, as Spain. Yeah, and it was very coincidental that I was uh, um, up very early that day. I was up like five oh, five, okay. five a.m. because I'm I'm in a place here where you cannot really um, 
um, how how do you describe that? You cannot really get the room very dark, yeah. So if the sun is up, it's just like bright in the room, yeah. And I, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I was like just grabbing my mobile and there was a tw Twitter post. I think it was Levi Rossman who posted, what the heck is going on? Why yeah. are they playing bullet at 5 a.m. during time? And I was like tuning the, you know, leeches. I'm like, what is going on? That's not real, right? And um, okay, it, it was real and it was a, a discussion afterwards. Yeah, so what's my point there? I mean, okay, he shouldn't do it. That's, I think, a pretty, pretty clear, right? That uh, this is kind of unprofessional, but... On the other hand, you know, I do have some, I kind of understand where it's coming from in a way because it was certainly very frustrating, the whole thing. And I can imagine um, that he simply wanted to do something else, just like didn't really want to study anything and like wanted to have a change and maybe just get 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 the mind somewhere totally, totally different. And I can easily imagine that uh, under other circumstances, like other people or in different times also would have done something totally unprofessional, like getting exactly. drunk till four in the morning, yeah. but nobody would have noticed it, right? And here just the happening like on a public account and everybody can see it. And um, I think um, there have been plenty of those unprofessional moments, even by more experienced players in other situations nobody knows of or could have known of. And now everybody has seen that he played there. Um, yeah, well, um, I think um, it would be pretty clear to him that it wasn't such a good idea. Uh, I, and uh, it's a learning experience. An interesting, interesting thing that, that I would like to know and I have no clue about if he's got, um, yeah, and some kind of advisor, like an, let's say, an older, more experienced player who's helping him with decisions like that. Obviously, there wouldn't somebody sitting in the hotel room in the morning, like, you shouldn't play bullet here, but like just some kind of mentor or something. That would be, I think, something that a young player would be very help uh, helped with, right? Uh, do you yeah. know if he's got somebody there? Well, it's been rumored slash vaguely reported that working on his team have been uh, Ivan Chaparinov, of course, noted opening theoretician and mm. Grandmaster Kramnik, believe it or not, the, the mm. critic of the candidates himself. Now, in terms of who's there with him, um, I heard it mentioned that his brother and his dad are there with him. I haven't heard mm. about another sort of father figure type chess player. Um, but I, I wanted to make the exact same point about you that, that as you that... Uh, People do irresponsible things. People, when they're faced with adverse circumstances, look for ways to blow off steam. And it's just that it's a little more public than it would be um, in years mm -hmm. past. So I'm with you there. Another thing to point out, I mean, yes, he was up till 6 a.m., but his game was till 3 p.m. His game is until 3 p.m. Spain time, um, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that, Christoph. That's true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not ideal. I, I mean, I would say, honestly, if he was playing till 3 a.m., to me, it's a zero issue, zero. The fact that mm. 6 a.m., okay, people are going to criticize him, you know, but honestly, I think if anything, I'm I'm sympathetic. Again, he's 19. You know, when I was 19, I, I you know, I was just... Uh, studying or getting drunk in college, you know, <laughs> like, and I mm -hmm. think that's, uh, that's more common. Um, so, uh, if this is the biggest mistake in his life, uh, he'll be, he'll be quite okay, but still nonetheless, a disappointing, disappointing performance. And Jan Gustafsson did raise a good point that, um, there's the unfortunate circumstance. And I know you've been critical of the format of the fee of the FIDE candidates. Mm -hmm. You would prefer a match format. I know my friend Greg Shahadi would as well. Um, there's the unfortunate circumstance that if you do something irresponsible that scuttles your own chances, there are other people sort of caught in the crosshairs, as it were, um, because like your their your loss, Nepo's win, then mm -hmm. adversely impacts everyone else chasing Nepo. Um, yeah. So I mean, maybe... I mean we, we we're in a situation <laughs> in this tournament that it doesn't really matter all that much anymore. Yeah, if people like I mean I'm not saying gifted the point to him, but yeah, I mean Nepo was clearly helped by Alireza's uh, weak play in this game, but he's so far away from the rest of the field that it you could argue that it doesn't even matter all that much. Yeah, that half. Yeah, I, I mean, mean like. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to say the, the moment you highlighted from round two where Fabiano didn't press for a mm. win with black, like to me, yeah. that's how far back you have to go to really have one yeah. moment and, to change and, things. And, yeah, and, and round, uh, round um, um, sorry, round uh, nine, of course, yeah, the, the white game where you had this Bishop F1. That was a very key moment also. 
Which which uh, opponent the, the, was that the, one? The, the, the white game. Fabiano with white against Nepo. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had um, a very good position if he would have played Bishop oh, yeah. with one. That was, yeah, um, I take back what I said. I forgot about that. Yeah, Fabiano yeah. really. Mm. I mean, that wasn't that was one of those computers screaming at moments. It's a bit of a tricky move, but Fabiano mm. was playing so well up to that moment that exactly. I thought he was going to find yeah, yeah. it, and, and he didn't. Mm. Um, and, and the broadcast yeah. uh, also, yeah, you did found it pretty quickly. And you, yeah, you, you get you get there. I mean, it's it's much easier if you're not sitting there. It's always the same thing. But um, that that was, I think, a huge disappointment also for Fabiano because there was a huge chance to get really in fight for first place. We're not talking about second place, but for first place at this moment. And um, yeah, with that gone, I think that also uh, contributed to the fact that he lost, uh, I think, two more games yeah, to Ding and to to Duda, right? Yeah, and that um, yeah, it was, a, I think, a key moment there. Yeah. Um, well, on to topic number three, um, which is Nakamura uh, had black against Napomniachi today, kind of potential last gasp for him, but it was a Berlin draw. Um, so again, I've seen some criticism online. I think especially for newer chess fans, it can be tough to understand mm. um, why why Naka would do this. Um, could you give your perspective? So again, by conceding this draw with Black, uh, Naka basically admits he's not going to catch Nepo. What did you think of this decision, Christoph? Yeah, I, I actually expected exactly the same game. Uh, I, or you can also make a draw with five rookie one there, which is not like the perpetual, but like a super dull um, position that also nobody's going to lose with White. Um, I did watch um, Nakamura's um, video where he explained his um, rationale behind um, accepting the draw in a way or allowing this draw. And I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, the chances, even if you kind of construct a win for Hikaru, which is very difficult to achieve in the first place, um, he doesn't really have great chances to fight for first place even then. And the risk um, to go there is extremely high with, with black against 1e4. Um, and I think um, if you look at his opening repertoire, um, he is very much a specialist. Uh, Hikaru is on the double king pawn openings, this Berlin. This is like his forte. And what else is he going to play? I mean, yeah. he, he's not... I mean, of course, he can play something... Uh, like some Sicilian, as he um, suggested, um, or um, as he uh, showed some examples of in his video. But um, yeah, I completely understand where he's coming from. And it would have been a totally different thing, of course, if second place would be irrelevant. But it could be right. very relevant. And um, I think that was a very, a very clear decision. Uh, and I completely understand where, what he's doing. And he was kind of, um, I think, very understanding in the video um and that uh, like um yeah less experienced chess fans uh, could could have trouble understanding what's going on and and I totally agree yeah that's a bit a bit difficult to understand but i think um it makes total sense yeah i'm with you all the way i also expected this result and um yeah and i definitely recommend if any listeners haven't checked out hakaro's 10 minute recap explaining his rationale and pointing out some historical analogs where black pushed too hard for wins in similar situations um anish giri himself tweeted as a reply to someone um if white wants to make a draw out of the opening for black to avoid that one has to play some bad opening often that he hasn't prepared up front and thus take serious risks risks impacting your expected value very negatively um mm, so yeah. Uh, you know, his fellow super grandmasters definitely understand. And it was interesting in, in Hakaro's video because he and Caruana have both said they still expect Magnus to defend the title. I'm um, a little less optimistic. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but he said, even though he thinks Magnus is going to play the match, he has to uh, put into the calculus the elevated Absolutely. probability yeah. of, um, of a match against number two. All right, Christoph, we got to take one more break and then get to hot topics number four and five on the agenda, which are the quality of play and potential uh, uh, altering formats to try to entice Magnus. We'll be right back. 
Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com, the leading chess education platform. Chessable, of course, uses its proprietary move trainer technology, which has space repetition to help you learn opening sequences, tactical patterns, basic end games, all of which it will quiz you on repeatedly until you have it down cold. They have courses both for free and for purchase. One of their newest includes the Beginner's 1D4 Repertoire by popular and entertaining YouTube commentator and streamer. I am Andres Toth. So if you're just looking to get your feet wet in an opening, it is a great uh, intro. And of course, they also have intermediate classics like Endgame Strategy and tons of advanced opening courses that you can check out for free or for purchase at chessable.com. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back. And as we said, our next topic is quality of play. Now, full caveat, as a full as a lowly 2100, I feel like I have to tread very carefully judging these super GMs, but I'll just read Kramnik's quote. Number one, Kramnik says, I have, and we should say, this was after round five or six, an interview given on uh, Ilya Levitov's uh, YouTube channel where he had Kramnik join him for a Russian broadcast for a while. Um, and it was picked up by Chess24, I believe it was Tarje Svensson. Um, so you can read a summary of what Kramnik said, um, and we'll try to drop a link to that, although we're going to get this out quickly. Uh, Kramnik said, I have never seen so many bad games in a top-level tournament. I'm very interested to know as to why this is. Blunders happen time to time in top-level chess, but in this tournament, they aren't episodic. The sheer amount of unreasonable mistakes of all types is stunning, and I want you, the YouTube audience, to discuss with me as to what exactly changed in the chess world in the last few years. I hope I have earned my right to be critical of the players in question, and I want you to know that I'm not trying to humiliate any of them. Rather, I'm just being honest in analyzing their games. These players are capable of some really high-level quality chess, but this exact tournament does seem to have more bad games than ever. Now, again, that was only after round five or six, but if we look at something like Ali Reza's performance against Nepo um, in round 11 yesterday, I would say the the possible um, criticism could extend. Uh, Christoph, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you're, you're significantly more qualified to discuss this than I am. What have you thought about the quality of play? Yeah, I also would have been... Uh... I also would have a hard time to to say yeah, they're playing like 2,300s. That would also be very, very tough thing to say for, for an international master because the players are obviously much more stronger than, than I am. Um, well, Kramnik has has a bit of a point. I mean, this is not um, this is not wrong. It, it's it's not a really great quality of play. You can add in, as you mentioned, um, um, Ali Reza game with White against uh, Nepo, which was a bit crazy. I mean, the G4, H4 plan was really a bit out of this world. And it's not, you don't need a computer to see that it's wrong. Really yeah. not. I mean, and, um, and, I and think, he uh, played G4 and Nepo, like with the idea, presumably of advancing the pawn and uh, Nepo prevented it with H6, you know, textbook stuff. And then he thought for 25 minutes. I mean, it just shows a kind mm-hmm. of, it shows his head wasn't in the right space um to mm-hmm. to be so surprised by the most obvious prophylactic reply but anyway i'm sorry i cut yeah. you off christoph yeah and, and we also have um, had this game today which which was i think it sounds harsh but um the the game that ding played with white today against rajabov was a very weird game i mean he lost without any chance at all in like 26 moves with white um that that was very weird and uh Rajabov didn't need to do anything great. I mean, he had a high sacrifice on E3. It was a nice, nice move. But what on earth did Ding in the opening with White? That was really strange. Um, so I think um, Kramnik is not wrong. The level of play isn't great. But um, the interesting question is really what is what is the reason? Yeah. Well, is, yeah. And I, mean, I think Kramnik is kind of implying that. Um, I think what he's implying is that the rise of online chess and kind of less, maybe less uh, practice in over the board play and longer time controls plays a role. That could be, 
That's definitely not uh, out of the question. However, I think one thing that could be a point is that I think in some games, players um, yeah, try to uh, sort of force the issue by sharpening up the game in positions where it doesn't really, it's not really warranted. Yeah, this is kind of a thing that you see in some games. If you think about, for example, um, Fabiano lost with black against Duda. If you remember that game, he had black in, in a slow Italian and all of a sudden started this G5, H5 play on the king side when the knight was offside on A5. And yep. I think it was clearly motivated by the desire to, to win somehow, but it was pretty unobjective to do that. It wasn't a good plan. And you have some more examples of that, this kind of maybe over-ambitious play or so. And I sometimes wonder if this is um, um, due to maybe this idea that, um, let's say, if you play in a more normal or more solid fashion, it's going to be drawish or a draw, right? So I think sometimes it should try a little bit too hard to do something when there's nothing there. And this is also a bit of a quality that Nepo has in this tournament. He's not doing anything special, really. He's kind of, he's being very solid, very, very sober in his play. And he takes all those opportunities presented to him by overambitious and kind of weird play. Um, another example that also Kromnik didn't see already when he made a statement is reports white game against Nepo, which was really also a pretty crazy thing to happen. Oh, uh, yeah. If you remember that game? It was really uh, kind of strange, even though I looked at it and uh, again today. And um, I have to say that the weirdest thing about this game is, I mean, people really would, would have to, to, to check it and look it uh, up yeah, to, to understand what I'm talking about. But the weirdest thing is that um, this opening variation uh, that he went for is extremely well known that it is a forced draw. Yeah. And um, then he avoided the draw and was worse. And much worse, yeah. Much worse. However, yeah. one thing that I mean, uh, did you ever look at the position? Like, if yeah, you look I remember the, the game. Yeah. If you look at the position, right, right and and you you don't, uh, you absolutely want to win the game. Yeah, you don't want to make it draw. Then you play this, and I know it in my mind from a human perspective of an I am, I would think, okay. Maybe I'm a little bit worse with white, but I'm not lost and I don't want to make a draw. Then I could see myself playing it. I mean, the engine immediately says, oh God, this is complete garbage. It's lost and so on. But this is just the engine. That's not a human player. So I, I do have some, I, I kind of understand where where report was coming from when he made the decision to play on because he simply didn't want to draw. The weird thing is that when he starts this opening play, the first nine, 10 moves, this is all known. So, yeah. And, and this is so strange yeah, that he's going for this line where he, where he should know that either he's drawing or he's clearly worse as the computer then shows. This is very mysterious. And there are some more of those mysterious moments in this, in this event. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, things game today. Like what, what was he doing there in the opening? It was really, really strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the the game you refer to the the rapport Nepo game, uh, Fabiano Caruana in his post game interview was just like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, mm -hmm. And usually he's a little he he chooses his words somewhat carefully in some cases, but in this case he said the same thing you did. Everyone knows that that's a drawing line, and I couldn't believe. So I mean, it's like layers of shock because he didn't know the position, and then mm -hmm. from there he, like you say, if you take the the. If you take the decision to uh, press for a win in isolation, yeah. it makes sense. But when you layer it on top of not knowing this line that players of that level all know for the most part, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so it doesn't doesn't come out looking great. So um, it's yeah. very strange. But, but I think um, it would be very interesting to think about this a little bit deeper. Yeah, what what Kramnik said that the level of play is is not great. Um, I think what is very important um, to consider is if you look at the games, there are different ways to, to look at them. You can look at them always having this computer on. And if you do that, you will find tons of mistakes in every tournament, like in every tournament. And in particular, if you take um, very modern engines like Stockfish 15 or 14.1, um, they have these evaluation functions that give very high evaluations sometimes like plus two or even more in positions that might 
warrant this evaluation, but they're very high and they are not that high if humans play the positions. Like, I mean, you, you can see that one side maybe is better, but you sometimes completely, um, you, you think, oh, that was a huge blunder and it wasn't really a huge blunder. Just like the computers are so deep in their calculation and their evaluation that they, yeah, they kind of overstate in a way how many mistakes there are. And that's very important to understand. A different thing is, however, if you look at the games and as a strong player, like Kramnik can easily say, wow, this move makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, and, and sometimes even like when you said like G4, H4, what Ali Reza played, that makes no sense. And this is a thing when you as a human immediately identify, hmm, that is a bad move. And then the computer just yeah, says, well, yeah, it's a bad move. And then you can be very critical, I think. You have to be a bit careful with stating, oh, they're playing badly if you just look at the evals. I mean, I know that you know that as well, but many people just say, oh, yeah, the engine is just going up and down. They have to be very bad players. That's not the case. In particular, if you take the, these modern engines, which have these very high evaluation um, counts, let's say. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an important point. And it's it's so easy to sit at, to sit at your engine and criticize the moves. So we, we want to couch it carefully that <laughs> that's not what Kramnik is doing. And um, yeah, there have just been mm. some some uncharacteristic mistakes. And, and there have right. been also some very good games, by the way. Yeah? Like I mean, if you, yeah, I, I liked, um, for example, I mean, th this game had some mistakes, but uh, it was very a very tense and interesting game. Icarus win uh, with White against Fabiano was very nice game, I think. Yeah, this, I agree. That, that was a very very complex and interesting game, and there were also certainly um, certainly some others. Yeah, so. It's not like every game is bad or <laughs> anything like that, but I do understand where Kromnik is, is coming from in a way. I mean, I wouldn't go so far to, yeah, um, be so harsh as, as he was, but I mean, he's a, he's a former world champion and he, I think he can afford this strong of an opinion. Yeah? We, we have to be a little bit more modest there. Right, exactly. Um, and the final topic, uh, point number five that I wanted to discuss, and as I told you before recording, Christoph, I might be trying to speak this into existence, but I did see some some quotes that I'd like to share. So we don't know if Magnus is going to play. Maybe he'll just say, you know what? Nepo's been in great form. He, I think he'll be a strong competitor. I'll play him after all. Maybe that will happen. But the other thing I'm sort of still hoping is that maybe Magnus, if he doesn't want to play the classical format, can advocate for some sort of change of format. Of course, and he's many times been a an advocate of a mixed format with some faster chess thrown in. Um, I personally, and I know a lot of people feel this way, I would prefer a classical match. But um, I, if if it's going to be either no Magnus and all classical or Magnus and a mixed format, I would prefer the latter. But anyway, the quotes I wanted to share were Jan Nepomnici yesterday on the chess.com broadcast uh, after round 11, if people want to track it down, he joined them and they're trying not to ask him every single round about like, what do you think Magnus is going to do? But he did share, he said, I quote, I received a quite a weird letter from FIDE that proposed change to the format to three sets of matches instead of one long match. So, that's interesting in itself. So he didn't mention a change in time controls, but he mentioned the possibility of them uh, breaking the match up into smaller chunks, which I don't know if that would appeal to Magnus. But anyway, the mere fact that they're considering changes, I found that to be encouraging because, again, I, mm -hmm. ideally I would love just another 14-game classical match with Magnus in it. But if that's not going to happen, I want a way to get Magnus involved. And then uh, Maxime Vachir-Lagrave, in an interview with Chessbase that came out uh, within the last day or two, said um, said he understands Magnus's perspective um, that he doesn't want to go through another grueling world championship match. But MVL said, and I quote, I find it a bit weird he doesn't offer another idea or another way to create mm -hmm. a world champion or a different cycle that suits him better so that he can take part in it. And I, I just wanted to second that. I mean, Magnus, you know, he who owns the gold makes the rules. So um, if Magnus doesn't want to play a slower match, why doesn't he negotiate? So I'm still hoping that as the dust settles, that there may be some room for that. Uh, am I just being hopelessly optimistic, Christoph? What do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about, um, about, let's say, the legal side of that. Can they just change the format? Maybe they can. I mean... It's, it's not set in stone that it has to be like classical and 14 games, right? They can, they could still change it, I, I assume. 
if this is a discussion at all. And I think it, it can be a discussion to be had. I mean, as, as you certainly know, and some others uh, might know who read, read my tweets or other statements, I'm very open to uh, discussing new formats and ideas um, in terms of time control and, 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 and other formats changes. Um, what I think is um, very interesting and important that we get more opinions on the table. I think it's good to hear from people like MVL or on, or maybe a ne Nepo didn't say anything. He just got this letter, right? He didn't yeah, say anything. Yeah, he just kind and, of, yeah, yeah he, did, interesting. he didn't really mm -hmm. say, yeah. Yeah, but it would be interesting to, to, to learn what, uh, what the opinion of the top players, um, what, what they are, what they think about the format. And what I think is very true is that um, I also think that Magnus should make some kind of suggestion um, what, what could be changed or what kind of format he would think to be better. I mean, it's not something that I feel the world champion should uh, be able to force upon the whole thing. That's really wrong. But as just as a starting point, yeah, like, okay, what do you think would be better? And then you could also yeah get other opinions by by players who are possibly involved in the whole thing. And then maybe you can do something that would be better. I think what is largely underestimated by, by the public is how much effort this match takes or these matches take, not so much um, the actual play, which is certainly, uh, yeah, uh, as you said, a grueling <laughs> experience, but also the whole preparation process. And I mean, the thing is, people, I mean, most people don't work on chess the whole day. And if you do that, and I do that usually, currently I'm on vacation, thankfully, but I look at chess the whole day. And if you sometimes uh, think about this, I'm looking for hours and hours, let's say at the Italian game with D3, right? And, or the, the, the Rulo Pass with D3, uh, the, the Berlin with D3, some kind of relatively slowish opening. And they make preparations for those let's be honest, very slow and not super exciting openings up to move 20, move 25. The whole uh, ground for fighting is so narrow nowadays. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the top level, if you if you see people play E4, we are so far that, we, that they think you can only play one E5 and maybe like one or two Sicilians. Everything else is just bad, which is, of course, yeah, in itself a little bit, yeah, it can be quite true. I think you could play a Caro or a French or something like that once in a while. But if they are really, really honest about it, they think everything else except for E4, E5 or some Sicilians is bad. And they, the consequences, they they all look at like the Petrov, at the, the Berlin, all those. It's just a set, very small set of openings. And then in those openings, they have to drill very, very deeply and just imagine doing that for weeks. Like yeah. You get crazy. I think you get yeah. crazy if you, if you do this all the time. And, um, and this is also um, why I sometimes think it could be an idea, like, like make, make more games, like allow for more games by shortening the time control exactly. so that the importance of one game is less and you could risk a little bit more. This is just like, what I'm, what I'm thinking, which would be possible. I just think they, they feel it is too risky. I mean, just if you, if you think um, about this, let's say you would uh, one, one player in such a match would be forced to play the French defense in every game. Mm -hmm. They would think the top players would think that this match is lost. Right. It's not even worth playing. And this sounds <laughs> sounds crazy, but this is what they think. So they are very much focused on this small set of openings, then this small set of kind of structures. And I think it's at one point you, you certainly get crazy. Yeah. And this is also why I understand in a way that somebody like uh, Ali Reza in this tournament, like he's out of the tournament and after playing badly, and he certainly has prepared for months for this event like crazy. That that, that that I mean, other people probably would have just gotten a bottle of whiskey and <laughs> right. yeah, that, that, that's it, right? He, he decided to play bullet, right? Um, but yeah, I think um, I think um, you understand what I'm getting at. These matches are not just the the three weeks, but weeks and weeks and weeks before of preparing, and we are talking about an extremely drawish game where 
they are kind of trying to find small little things, small little ideas. Um, it's very difficult. I, I kind of understand why it's very difficult. And um, this is um, something that I think needs discussion. Like, uh, can us of other formats possible? I think there's a wide range of options for sure. Um, there was a suggestion on Twitter by uh, Jakob Argard, for example, who had a totally different take. He wanted to um, replace the whole thing just with one tournament, like no candidates, no match, like one tournament. And it was structured, uh, I think what he proposed was kind of similar to what they did in those Grand Prix tournaments, like with a, like with a, um, a, a smallish round robin, and then you have some people do some quick knockouts to get to a, a final match. I mean, there are many, many possibilities, and just let's just talk about them. And I don't think it's really um, so much about Magnus playing or not playing, because I don't think the world champion should dictate what what the format is. But I think there is concern that it's not going to get any better like in, in those matches. I mean, the the preparation and the theory is getting deeper and deeper. And as I said, this battlefield is narrowing. It's narrowing more and more. And I mean, do you want to always say, see the Petrov and these three Italians and Spanishes? I don't know. I find it boring. Yeah. And th that's what it's going to be, very likely. Um, yeah. Very eloquently said, Christoph. And yeah, and I agree. And I again, I know not everyone listening agrees. Some of you think the format is perfect and that that's respectable. But again, the fact that the world champion and as Jonathan Tisdale pointed out in our round six update, Magnus has been vocal about this since before he was world champion. This is not like his taking yeah. advantage mm -hmm. of his position in, in any way. So I agree with you. But as you said earlier, Christoph, the most important thing is that they interface with the actual top 20 players in the world and see where the consensus is in that regard. Because at the end of the day, those are the people whose opinions should weigh the heaviest. Um, so if there is some consensus, maybe there's some room to rescue uh, a true world championship because obviously an air quotes world championship without the best player in the world, without the highest rated player in the world. Um, you know, we've been there and done that in chess and, uh, yeah, mm. it's, um, not, not the most, um, not, not the most entertaining, not the, and, not and, the highest form. And I think we don't really know where the majority of the top players stand on the format. I don't think we know. Or do you have a clear idea, like like a majority would want exactly this format? Or I have no clue. I really have no clue what the majority would like to to have as a format. And I think it would be good to get an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of difficult because there are so many variables. You could think about let's play a match, but with less games, more games, uh, more games, faster time control, whatever. You can do many many things. By the way. The idea that kind of um, was mentioned, like splitting a match up into sets, this is kind of interesting. Have you thought about that? Um, a little bit. I mean, I hadn't until Jan uh, shared that quote. Mm -hmm. I think it might help a little bit, um, but I, of course, would prefer the mixed time control format. But I, I think mm -hmm. it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think what they might um, suggest is, and I think this was discussed um, right after the, the, the Nepo match last year, um, it was something like they would play, let's say, I'm just, um, details could be different, but uh, something like they would play like four games. And if those four games would end in like, um, uh, would end even like 2-2, two, two, like four draws, for example, then they would make a tiebreaker for this set. So yeah, one, one side would, would be in the lead and then there oh, would be a okay. second set, and then the other side would have to strike back to, to get to even sets. And this is kind of interesting because I think the incentive to play for a win would come, come earlier. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Um, yeah. I didn't think this is a bad idea. Like, 
I haven't thought about it for hours, but yeah, I, I just find it interesting to, to discuss this a little bit. And uh, maybe you, you find some way to tweak it that most people would agree that it is a positive thing. Sometimes you just have to change some, some little thing and it has a pretty big impact. For example, if you want to uh, take one thing that definitely I think was a good um, change that they got rid of the increments before move 60. Yeah, I, I think agree. that that was a very good decision, and um, this is something that wasn't done. I mean, they could have done it years ago, and now they do it, and everyone says, "Oh, this is a good thing. Why haven't they done this before?" And so sometimes even relatively small changes um, can have big impacts. And why not, um, yeah, tweak the ex ex uh, existing thing maybe just a little bit if you cannot go so far to. Like, okay, make it faster, whatever. Yeah, I mean, a revolution is sometimes difficult to uh, explain to a large amount of people, but maybe you can do little things that still would help yeah, somewhat. Would Agreed. be interesting. Yeah, and on the world championship front, Christoph, I think we should leave it there. There, it's such a fascinating topic, and there's so many tentacles in particular this year with with the will he or won't he uh, Magnus question overhanging the whole thing. Uh, again, Perpetual Chess will be back on July 12th. Maybe we'll have a little more clarity on these. I mean, we'll be back before then, but we'll be back discussing the candidates on July 12th. Now, before we go, Christoph, so you've got your Triangle Slav with Grandmaster Erwin Lem mm -hmm. Lemie coming out uh, next week. Dare I ask, and I know you you shared a few pictures online, you're in a beautiful uh, sort of um, rolling hills slash mountain situation in Slovenia. <laughs> but dare yeah. I ask if you're thinking beyond that course as well as someone who's a fan of uh, all of your chessable courses? Yeah, yeah, I'm currently working on the one after that um, already and also something else. But um, there's something that will be released probably not um, in the too distant future because it's not such a um, such a huge course. There will be um, a smaller course for black on the Sicilian O'Kelly variation. This oh, okay. 2A6 line, yeah. That was it played made a by... cameo in the candidates, right? Didn't, didn't exactly didn't yeah, someone yeah. play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rajawa <laughs> played it against unexpectedly. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a bit of a surprise uh, to see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a it's an interesting opening. I'm currently working on that together with a friend and co-author of mine. And um I think it's a pretty good surprise weapon. Uh, and um it will be a um, very compact course. The, the goal is that it's something that you can learn like over weekend and then have an interesting surprise weapon. And it, I think for that purpose, it, it fits very well. So looking cool. forward to complete that. It should be out this summer. So it's not uh, going to take months. And um, probably we'll also have something out for, um, for Christmas, but that's too early to say because... Um, and those bigger projects, they, they need really proper planning. And I don't want to be uh, already announcing it before I know for sure that it's going to happen. <laughs> so, Right. And just to give one final plug for Christoph's work, again, obviously, Chessable is a sponsor of the pod, but I've, I buy Christoph's courses with my own money. I have his Fight Like Magnus course, um, you know, as a Feshnikov player myself. Um, keep it simple with black. I've picked up a couple of the lines in the Nimzo Rogozin course uh, that you did with FM Daniel Barish and Christoph. Yeah. Um, your Nimzo Rogozin course. So, of course, in round three, uh, Ali Reza and Nakamura played a Nimzo Queen C2 line and it followed the theory in there. So it actually ended up that I was the only game. Um, at the point where uh, um, <laughs> Ali Reza sacked a piece on move 17. It was a title Tuesday game that I played. My opponent did not sack a piece. He retreated his bishop. But so when Levy Rosman did a recap video, he was like, and the only <laughs> game with this position is Ben Johnson. And I was like, well, first of all, I, you know, that was there was some luck involved in that, but more importantly, I'm riding on the shoulders of giants because, uh, because I was a fan of your course. That's why I knew the theory uh, to that point, but I thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tournament had some, uh, definitely some openings that I featured in courses. Yeah. They had many, many Petrovs, for example, of course. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I covered that and somebody suggested on Twitter that somebody should do something like, yeah, play the Petrov like Nepo did. And, you yeah, well, know, I already did play the Petrov like Fabi did. Yeah, <laughs> it worked yeah. very well for him four years ago. Yeah, to get this match, and um, the Petrov is really um, it's a good opening anyway, and it's it's very well suited for those events 
if you are black and you kind of hope that the other side uh, wants to hit the head against a brick wall, it, it works very well. Yeah. yeah, as a as a former E4 player, I don't miss the Petrov. <laughs> yeah, it's not not one of those openings that you're really happy to see. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of true. But yeah. uh, it's it's really it's difficult. Yeah, if you if you play E4 and you have those uh, like Italian game and and Ruelo passes, um, it's kind of a different thing. I mean, a difficult thing for for the top players. Not not so much for your regular. Uh, you will always find your 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 ways and. F- get some gameplay going but on that level it's really really difficult sometimes and i feel um some games they have been lost by the desire to play for win in a structure that is actually not really suited to do that yeah i feel yeah that 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 happened uh, more than once um yeah, that fabiano game that um, when he had black against duda i was kind of if he really wants to win that badly why, why did he play e4 e5 in the first place i mean not right. that this is a drawing weapon but if you really decide okay duda is somebody i want to win against yeah play the caro or something that is not i'm not uh asking for pilts or anything like that but just like do something that doesn't have this total symmetry on the board yeah Yeah. well said well christoph um we'll look forward to your course and um you know the the o'kelly and the other ones coming as well um thank you for interrupting your vacation to to share your knowledge and reflections on this somewhat anticlimactic yet lots of stories to talk about tournament um any uh closing words christoph yeah, I'm looking forward um, to see the final two rounds. And one thing that I would definitely like to see is a relatively quick um, yeah, development in regards of if this match is happening or what kind of match will be happening. I mean, even if they discuss about a format, they should start right away and not like waste more time because people really Agreed. want, yeah. want to know what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Magnus so, should be clear about his intentions, hopefully. Yeah. Um, one way or another. Um, excellent. Well, thank you, Christoph. It's appreciated as always. Uh, you guys can find him on Twitter, find him on Chessable, and we will let you get back to your rustic vacation, Christoph. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. Big shout out to my producer, Matthew Passy. I'd also like to thank the Blue Wire Podcast Network with whom we are proud to be affiliated. Be sure to follow us on social media, Beneficial1 on Twitter, at Perpetual Chess on Instagram, and or you can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group. You can email me, ben at perpetualchesspod.com. And of course, last but not least, I'd like to give major thanks to the Perpetual Chess Patreon and PayPal supporters. Those who choose to join that community based on their level of support can do things like submit questions for guests of the show, have access to live Zoom Q&A lectures with grandmasters who often have appeared on the show going over chess games, answering questions, stuff like that. And you can even get access to ad-free perpetual chess if that's your preference. So, but most of all, thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you all on the next episode. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.